chapter fourteen of yon of the windmill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing chapter fourteen sublunary art jan goes to school dame datchet at home jan's first school scrape jan defends himself even the hero of a tale cannot always be heroic nor of romantic or poetic tastes the wonderful beauty of the night sky and the moon had been fully felt by the artist nature of the child jan but about this time he took to the study of a totally different subject pigs it was the force of circumstances which led jan to make pigs on his slate so constantly instead of nobler subjects and it dated from the time when his foster mother began to send him with the other children to school at dame datchet's dame datchet's cottage was the last house on one side of the village main street it was low thatched creeper covered and had only one floor and two rooms the outer room where the dame kept her school and the inner one where she slept dame datchet's scholars were very young and it is to be hoped that the chief objects of their parents in paying for their schooling were to ensure their being kept safely out of the way for a certain portion of each day and the saving of wear and tear to clothes and shoes it is to be hoped so because this much of discipline was to some extent accomplished as to learning dame datchet had little enough herself and was quite unable to impart even that except to a very industrious and intelligent pupil her school appurtenances were few and simple from one of them arose jan's first scrape at school it was a long narrow blackboard on which the alphabet had once been painted white though the letters were now so faded that the dame could no longer distinguish them even in spectacles the scrape came about thus as he stood at the bottom of the little class which gathered in a semicircle around the dame's chair his young eyes could see the faded letters quite clearly though the dame's could not say the alphabet children cried dame datchet and as the class shouted the names of the letters after her she made a show of pointing to each with a long sally withy wand cut from one of the willows in the water meadows below she ran the sally withy along the board at what she esteemed a judicious rate to keep pace with the shouted alphabet but as she could not see the letters her tongue and her wand were not in accord little did the wide-mouthed white-headed youngsters of the village heed this but it troubled jan's eyes and when in consequence of her rubbing her nose with her disengaged hand the sally withy slipped to q as the dame cried f jan brought the lore he had gained from abel to bear upon her inaccuracy tis a q not a f he said boldly and aloud a titter ran through the class and the biggest and stupidest boy found the joke so overwhelming that he stretched his mouth from ear to ear and doubled himself up with laughter till it looked as if his corduroy breech knee were a turnip and he about to munch it the dame dropped her sally with thee and began to feel under her chair which be the young varmint as said a f was a q she rather unfairly inquired 
a didn't say a f was a q began jan but a chorus of cowardly little voices drowned him and curried favour with the dame by crying tis jan lake the miller's son missus and the big boy conscious of his own breach of good manners atoned for it by officiously dragging jan to dame datchett's elbow hold un vor me said the dame settling her spectacles firmly on her nose and with infinite delight the great booby held jan to receive his thwacks from the strap which the dame had of late years substituted for the birch rod and as jan writhed he chuckled as heartily as before it being an amiable feature in the character of such clowns that so long as they can enjoy a guffaw at somebody's expense the subject of their ridicule is not a matter of much choice or discrimination after the first angry sob jan set his teeth and bore his punishment in a proud silence quite incomprehensible by the small rustics about him who like the pigs of the district were in the habit of crying out in good time before they were hurt as a preventive measure strangely enough it gave the biggest boy the impression that jan was poor-spirited and unable to take his own part a temptation to bully him too strong to be resisted so when the school broke up and the children were scattering over the road and water meads the wide-mouthed boy came up to jan and snatched his slate from him give jan his slate cried jan indignantly he was five years old but the other was seven and he held the slate above his head and who be jan then the little gallus bird said he tauntingly i be jan answered the little fellow defiantly jan lake the miller's son give i his slate thee's not a miller's son said the other and the rest of the children began to gather round i be a miller's son reiterated jan and i've got a miller's thumb too and he turned up his little thumb for confirmation of the fact thee's not a miller's son repeated the other with a grin thee's nobody's child thee is master lake's not thy father nor mrs lake bean't thy mother thee was brought to the mill in a sack of grist thee was in saying which the boy repeated a popular version of jan's history if any one had been present outside dame datchett's cottage at that moment who had been in the windmill when jan first came to it he would have seen a likeness so vivid between the face of the child and the face of the man who brought him to the mill as would have seemed to clear up at least one point of the mystery of his parentage pride and wrath convulsed every line of the square quaint face and seemed to narrow it to the likeness of the man's as with his black eyes blazing with passion jan flew at his enemy the boy still held jan's slate on high and with a derisive haw-haw he brought it down heavily above jan's head but jan's eye was quick and very true he dodged the blow which fell on the boy's own knees and then flew at him like a kitten in a tiger fury they were both small and easily knocked over and in an instant they were sprawling on the road and cuffing and pulling and kicking and punching with about equal success except that the bigger boy prudently roared and howled all the time in the hope of securing some assistance in his favour 
dame datchet missus murder ya boohoo the little varmint be a throttling eye but mrs datchet was deaf also she not unnaturally considered that in looking after the young varmints in school hours she fully earned their weekly pence and was by no means bound to disturb herself because they squabbled in the street meanwhile jan gradually got the upper hand of his lubberly and far from courageous opponent whose smock he had nearly torn off his back he had not spent any of his breath in calling for aid but now in reply to the boy's cries for mercy and release he shouted what be my name now thee big gawney speak or i'll droddle thee yon lake said his vanquished foe let me go ya ya whose son be i asked the remorseless jan abel lakes the miller boo hoo boo hoo sobbed the boy and what be this then willem smith was jan's final question as he brought his thumb close to his enemy's eye it be the miller's thumb thee's got jan lake was the satisfactory answer End of chapter fourteen